I'm stoked. We are wrapping up this series on Jonah, and it has been it's been a wonderful series uh, from my heart. Just reminding us about the truths, these beautiful truths of, of God's love for us, and the dialogue has been stimulating through the sermon series. Is you guys have said things that the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart, and you've shared even here in this setting. It's been really rich, and I, I'm telling you, man, I have. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like as we've read through Jonah, it's been like God held up a mirror and showed me myself and how alike I am with Jonah, just in so many ways. Like in the ways that I know what God wants for my life, but I often run the exact opposite way and do the exact opposite thing of Jonah. Have you guys been there? Yeah. Yeah, There's so much I have in common. Uh, Letting my own fear... Or the dreams I have for my life become the thing that lead me away from God and his plan. Because I think my plan's best. And I think I know better. Or like the fact that I am living this amazing life filled with the grace of God. By his grace only. And yet, I have these moments where I don't want to extend that grace to somebody else. I just, I, I want to keep it all for myself. But they just mess with me. And I, I'm ticked off at them. And I'm not going to extend God's grace to them. There's so many ways I'm like Jonah, the complaining, complaining about my life, complaining about where I am, and God, why in the world are you letting this happen when all the while his plan is best? But I just don't believe it. I don't trust it. So I see myself all over Jonah. And I remember um, it, was about, it was about two years ago, maybe two and a half, and there was this, there was this Monday, Mondays are my Sabbath, where, you know, Preachers kind of work on Sundays most of the time, and so we take, oftentimes we'll take Monday off. And um, but I was I wasn't used to Sabbaths yet, so I was taking like a little two-hour or three-hour Sabbath because I didn't believe if I took a whole twenty-four hours of Sabbath that God would bless that for some reason. So I was taking like two hours because I have so much work to get done, and um, I was stuck in traffic and I was frustrated. It was the worst Sabbath ever. Just sitting in traffic on your day off is is not fun. And I just pulled off the freeway and I saw a cemetery. And I thought, well, at least it's peaceful there. (laughs) I'll go to the cemetery. So I'm walking around the cemetery and uh, the ducks are quacking, you know. And there's a lot more life in a cemetery than you'd think if you ever hang out there. Um, And I remember thinking, well, I'll get inspired and I'll walk through and I'll read. Some of these, uh, some of these tombstones, and as I started reading the tombstones, I'm like, "This man was the greatest father any child could have." We all wish we could amount to the father that this guy was. And during this time, just a bit of context, my company that I've started, the, the recycling company for charity, is failing miserably. Uh, I'm away from my kids all the time. I don't have enough time in the world for them, and I feel like a horrible dad. The church, the, the Sunday before this Monday in particular, we had been working hard at the church. We got it up like 45 people and stuff. And we had a Sunday where like three people showed up. <laughs> and there was only a dollar in the offering. One buck, one dollar in the offering. And you're just like, I'm a failure. I'm a complete failure. And I start reading the stories of these guys who have gone before. And it's like, this man was a huge success. His company's changing the world. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? And I felt just totally crushed under the weight of my own expectations for my life. 
And I'm like, man, how far away am I from living this life that I dream of? And it's, it's impossible to get there. It seems like the harder I try, the more I fail. Have you guys had moments like that? Yeah, this, this story has been such a reminder to me of that. And as I've seen myself in Jonah's life, I've become acutely aware of my need for God's grace. And the clear message throughout that we have hope. And it's not in us. There's so much hope today because God has a gracious mission. And God's mission goes way beyond us. It's a mission to rescue and renew all of creation. It's a mission that we get to partner in. It's, it's in it involves us, but it's created and it's carried through and it's consummated by who? Jesus. Yeah, it's God's mission. It's God's mission. Think about that. So as we have seen in this amazing story, right? The story of Jonah begins and ends with God and the whole way through it's carried about by God. In verse one of chapter one of Jonah, we see the word of God comes to Jonah. In the very last verse of chapter four, it's God asks Jonah a question and the whole way through is like the story of God's mission through Jonah, within Jonah and beyond Jonah's life. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. These three arcs that we see in the story, so to speak. So the three points, God has a mission through Jonah, God has a mission within Jonah, and God has a mission beyond Jonah. Because here's the deal, if we don't get this today, if we miss out on what God is telling us, we will either overload ourselves with the burden of God's mission, or like Jonah, we will run as hard and as fast as we can to get away from God's mission because God-sized missions are too heavy for us to carry. And we'll end up disengaged from his mission through us. We'll end up disillusioned with his mission within our own lives and our own hearts because we're so broken and we don't feel like there's any hope. And we'll end up despairing of his mission beyond us. And I've been here before. I've ended up like just totally fruitless and unfulfilled in my spiritual walk. and burnt out and bedraggled and frustrated. And we end up walking around cemeteries crushed under the weight of our own frailty. Humanity, failures, limitations. But God wants us to catch a vision for his mission today. And I think as we will, some hope and passion will be awakened because of the gospel. So let's dive in. The first point, God's mission through Jonah. Jonah 1, chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. The first arc of this story, it's the most obvious one. It's the one we've talked about quite a bit. It's the call on Jonah that God has a mission through him. God wants to do something through his life to touch other people. And Jonah, you know, being the trust-filled, God-trusting man of God that he is, what's he do when he hears this word from God? <laughs> yeah, peace. Runs the opposite way. Why? Because Jonah's mission is more important than God's in his own mind. I think Kenny talked about this last week. It was, it was, it was his comfort over God's calling on his life. Right? And we see that with Jonah. And, and he sees his own limitations compared to God's calling. And it seems impossible. I mean, think about Nineveh. We've talked about this. Nineveh, it's a city that takes three days to walk all the way through. 
It's, it's several miles long, 120,000 people. How in the world am I just going to get the message out to that many people, much less get anybody to actually believe it, to, to repent, to actually change? It's an impossible mission. There's no way I can do it. Plus, they're kind of scary. These are the people that are hanging up their enemies when they conquer them. They're skinning them and putting their skin on the city walls to, to dry in the sun like leather. And they're dragging people through the streets of Nineveh with fish hooks in their nose behind chariots. I mean, these guys are crazy. I don't want to go there. They worship the goddess of war, Ishtar. No, thank you. They're crazy. And they worship this guy named Dagon, which, which we said is going to play into the story. And we're going to talk about that here. The fish god. Um, so Jonah's freaked out. There's no way. Plus, he's a successful prophet. This mission is, is drastically going to change his life, right? There's, there's no way. So he does the logical thing. He runs from God. And what's God do? How does God respond to Jonah running from him? Anybody? Yeah. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> I think that's actually in the text. <laughs> yeah, so we see like verse, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, God hurled a great wind upon the sea. And then in verse 117, God appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And then in chapter 2, God spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah up upon dry land. Because here's the deal, God is committed to accomplishing his mission through Jonah. Right? So every turn of the story, we see God at work. He is the great conductor of the symphony. He is going to accomplish this work through Jonah's life. It's crazy. It might, it might be Jonah who eventually gets used for God's mission. I mean, what's the book called? The book of what? Jonah. He gets his name on it. But who's actually carrying the mission out? God. Yeah. So now we find Jonah finally ready to do God's work. Has the task changed at all? No, it's impossible. The only thing that's changed is Jonah. And he ends up washed up on a beach, covered in seaweed and fish scales, and probably smelling fairly bad. Skin bleached white from stomach acids, right? Looking like something out of a sci-fi thriller. And here comes Jonah, and he's preaching repentance. And what's interesting is, what, who's the main god that these guys worship? Dagon, this, this mermaid-looking dude. We got a picture of Dagon? I think so. Yeah. Good-looking dude. <laughs> so here comes this guy looking like a fish, smelling like a fish, hopping out of the mouth of a fish, preaching about repentance. How do you think people responded? I love this. Verse, cha chapter 3, verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The mission was impossible, but nothing is impossible with our God. He had a plan. It even involved Jonah's rebellion against him. God used that in an amazing way to reach these people's hearts. What a deal. And just like with Jonah, God has called us to an impossible mission, but his grace is preparing the way. And I know you guys know people in your life that you're like, they would never come to church. They would never follow Jesus. Their marriage is hopeless. Their kids, have you seen their kids? You know, I mean, we all know those people, right? They're like, man, the, the mission's impossible. There's no way. But do you think it's possible that God has a plan that's bigger than ours and better than ours? 
Uh, I was recently in a conference, and the conference speaker was talking about the cultural shift in, in American Western culture and how it's been like an earthquake. And when an earthquake happens, do people go back in the buildings afterward? They're kind of afraid of that, right? The, the, the institutions are kind of shaken. Right? They don't feel safe. And so he was talking about the institutions of politics and the church and, and even marriage and how people are running for their lives because they're scared because of the, the shift in culture. And in the middle of that, we've seen, we talked about quite a bit, the, the devolution of the nuclear family. Now people just don't, they're checking out, they're afraid of it. In fact, if you look at the top TV shows from the last few years, when I, when I was a kid, the top TV show was, uh, you guys remember Tim the Tool Guy? You guys do? I don't feel as old as I did. Tim the Tool Guy, Little Family, Home Improvement, we're going to fix things. And then 10, 15 years past, what becomes the top TV show? Like almost of all time at that point. Anybody? Yeah, Friends, right? What's Friends about? What's Friends about? Americans who complain. Americans who complain? But yeah, a bunch of single people like trying to create family together. A sense of extended family. Or you've got the psychotic version of that, Seinfeld. Do you guys know what the top show is right now in America? Number one rated show. It had the greatest, the number one premiere, viewed premiere of all time of any TV show. You know what it is? Modern Family was, it was definitely. Right now, currently, The Walking Dead. And you're like, how's that play into it? Well, what's The Walking Dead about once you get past the zombies? It's, yeah, it's about people coming together with a common mission and creating an extended family and working hard together. You know, culture is looking for something. Culture's looking for extended family on a mission. Like what we have right here in this church is exactly what people are hungry for. You know, downtown is like 78% single. And they live all around my wife and I. And you know what they're hungry for? Family. You get senses of it. You get tastes of it at the coffee shop and, and at work and when you go to the club on the weekends. But it's not, it's not the same real kind of family on mission that we're hungry for. But that's, guys, that's all we have to offer is the gospel in community on mission. Family on mission. And that's exactly what our culture is starving for. God prepared a fish, right? God prepared a fish. Do you think God knows what he's doing? Those people that you think are impossible, I bet they're starving for a taste of what you have. I love this um, this quote from Jeff Anderson. It says, the burden of mission is God's and the blessing of mission is ours. The burden of mission is God's and the blessing of mission is ours. If, if you get that today, the grace and gospel truth that's resident in that, it will set you free. From, from the mediocrity or from the checking out that kind of happens when we get overwhelmed with the mission. Free to move forward toward his mission and trust because the truth is, guys, it is God's work from start to finish. 
It's not about us working hard for God. It's about us partnering with God in his mission. It's about us resting in the fact that he's got it and abiding in his love and trusting and listening and watching and saying, God, what are you doing? And how can I engage with that and partner with you? Out of a place of rest, profound rest rest in the fact that you are going to accomplish what you set out to. And I, I feel like I've just been getting this. Like, for so long, mission for me was like raking water uphill. It was just impossible and fruitless. But as I've taken, a, taken time to just like step back and rest and listen and watch and say, God, what are you doing? And put my hands to that. It, it's crazy that you can produce more fruit in your life by working less because of your heart trusting in God trusting in his word. God's mission through you is amazing news because he will accomplish it. So we're free to engage and rely on his spirit. But secondly, God has a mission, not just through Jonah, God has a mission within Jonah. The second arc of the story, it's not as obvious, but it's in there. It's the work of God within Jonah. Jonah doesn't even see his own his own his own heart, his own insides, right? He wasn't taking time to look. He's too busy running. And that's why the story doesn't end three quarters of the way through when Nineveh repents. There's still a whole other chapter dedicated to God working on Jonah because it's not just about God's mission through Jonah. It's also about what? God's mission within Jonah. So Jonah runs, and what does God do? He said God prepared a storm. And the storm's not there to kill Jonah. And the storm's not there just to stop Jonah. The storm is there for Jonah's good, to get him to a point where he's surrendering and he's ready to change. And God sends a whale, right? Verse 17. And the whale wasn't there just to reroute Jonah to Nineveh for Nineveh's sake. It was there for Jonah's sake too. The whale provided the perfect gross God's sanctuary for him to repent, for him to have a U-turn mentality while he was experiencing the U-turn reality. That rhymed. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. In chapter four, when God provides a plant to shade Jonah, and the worm then, like Kenny talked about last week, to eat that plant, there's one big reason God does that. Why? To teach Jonah. To change, to change Jonah. Is that you, Lord? <laughs> it's crazy. Even though the story is finished, it should be done. God's not finished with Jonah. Because God cares as much about his mission within Jonah as his mission through Jonah. And I'll tell you, I believe that God's work within you is not separate from God's work through you. In fact, that's often how he works through us. We see that in Philippians, right? Paul's writing, and this is the next book we'll be diving into starting next Sunday. I'm so excited for this. But Paul says this, that it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. You see that? That even The desire you have to believe, to change, to transform from the inside out. Even that desire is a gift of God's grace in your life. And it's God's work inside out, through and through, from start to finish. 
We get to rest in it. We get to engage in it with a heart of trust. Do you guys remember why God was saving Nineveh? And what does Jonah say? I love this. In Jonah in chapter 4. Can you, can you cover this last week? But I love this verse. Jonah's like, I knew that you were gracious God and merciful. <sighs> Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And he sounds ticked at God. Because he knew God was going to forgive Nineveh. And you want to say, like, Jonah, wake up, man. That, that same God is the one who prepared a fish for you. Aren't you glad he's that way? Because you'd be dead at the bottom of the sea right now. But he didn't know how to forgive. Jonah's mad at God. But there's good news today. Because God is doing this as a work of love for you. That's what we see in that passage. There's good news that nothing is going to get in the way of God's work within you. Because he loves you. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. Abounding in steadfast love. And guess what? The burden of your sanctification, the burden of your maturing spiritually, you're becoming like Christ. Whose burden is that? God's. Just get the blessing of participating in that. Let me ask you some questions. How much time do we spend fretting over our sinfulness? and our broken patterns and wondering, when is God going to change me? Have you ever beat yourself up emotionally because of sins or addictions? Anybody? Yeah. Or how about this? Have you ever gotten depressed because you can't seem to get rid of your depression? Have you ever despaired because you saw your own brokenness and found yourself wanting to run toward God, but you're still like running away from Him? You're more broken. You're more sinful than you ever want to believe. And that's good news because at the same moment, you're more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than you could ever hope for. It's good news because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The mission within you, the mission to improve you and transform you is God's mission. He's the one carrying that burden. So some advice today, let him. Let him carry that burden for you. We have the blessing of participating in his work in our life. And yes, you have an active role in it, right? Repenting and believing, trusting and surrendering, receiving the fruit of God's labor, but let him carry the burden. The gospel is good news today. The gospel is good news today for you because it's the story of God's unrelenting and sovereign mission within you. If, if we miss this, we'll never be content. If we miss this today, you won't rest in God's mission within your heart. You'll do anything you can to fix yourself. Read a bunch of self-help books. You might even use the gospel, not as good news to be believed just because, but as something that you're like self-medicating with and trying to fix yourself with the gospel and beating yourself up with it. I've done it. But the gospel is good news for you. When you realize it's God's work, that the gospel isn't something we do, it's something that's been done, it'll free you from the impatience that takes hold, from the fears we struggle with, what if I never change? What if I always struggle like this? You guys ever thought that? The gospel will free you from the condemnation that always tends to drive us from Christ. 
and from the apathy that can set in as we become disillusioned with our own brokenness. Because of the gospel, we get to rest in the fact that, here's what scripture says, want some good news? He that began a good work in you will perform it. He's the, the author and the finisher of our faith. When our hearts condemn us, he's greater than our hearts. We're free to begin trusting his timing, to believe that his blood is powerful enough to forgive us of the worst sin and brokenness, to believe that his righteousness is actually good enough and acceptable enough by God to cover, to pardon. God has a mission through you and within you. And lastly, most briefly, the third art. God has a mission beyond you. And I think it's the most invisible arc in this story, but it's so obvious when we look that God has a mission beyond Jonah. Think about the fact that we're still sitting here talking about him today. Like Jonah's in his grave, dead, several thousand years, but he's still preaching to us today. God had a mission beyond Jonah. And there's something cool about this book. Have you noticed something unique about it that it ends with a question? The, the book of Jonah, one of two books in the Bible that ends with a question. And um, Frank Page says this in his commentary on Jonah. The book ends with a clear contrast between the ways of God and the ways of Jonah. And the story is deliberately left open for those studying its message to complete it in their own lives. In other words, it ends this way because God has a mission beyond Jonah. God has a mission today to teach us something through the life of Jonah. And I think when I read this, I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, where you've got Abraham and Noah and all these great men of God who were pretty much failures apart from God's grace, right? And what it says at the end of Hebrews 11, I love this, it says, in all of these Though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better, who? For us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What's the author of Hebrews saying here? He's saying that the story of God's full of stories of people that have a mission beyond them. A mission to touch and reach countless others with God's grace. And your story has that too. Have you thought about what story God is telling beyond your life? A mission to touch and reach countless others. A mission, because God has a mission through you and within you, but he has one beyond you. So are you living a life of legacy? Are you living a life that will touch people after you pass off the scene? You ever think about this? I know it's, I thought about this recently. What do I want people to say at my funeral? What do I want them to say about me? He's kind of a nice guy. Tried to dress cool. Didn't always hit the nard. <laughs> My kids are like, he really tried to be a good dad. We could tell you, he was trying. My former youth pastor um, died this past week. Uh, we called him Brother G, Sam Gutierrez. And it was crazy to see... I'll, I'll try to hold it together here. It was crazy to see um, in a church that seats about 600, over 1,000 people pack their way in, like sardines, standing room only. I'm so glad the fire marshal didn't show up. 
they had to park, like they overwhelmed the parking lot, parked down the hill, down the street. All for this guy. He wasn't a big author. He wasn't a mega church pastor. He was just a humble servant of God. Like, he looked like a youth pastor that loves people. He adopted strays, so to speak, brought people like me in, just an only child who needed some extra love. A man of God that just, just loved God. And I, I heard all the beautiful things that people said about him and the legacy that he left. Countless lives touched. And I thought, I want that for my life. But if you aren't careful, the weight of God's mission beyond you, your, your own legacy, the, your hopes for the future can crush your present reality. And you'll end up walking around a cemetery filled with tombstones thinking, I'll never measure up. But there's good news for that too. Because this story doesn't just end with a question, but it doesn't actually resolve within the story itself. Do you, guys, do you guys know where this story finds its resolution? Well, if you fast forward a bit through Scripture. We find that this story points to a much better Jonah, a greater Jonah. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 41, Behold, a greater than Jonah is here. How is Jesus greater than Jonah? And we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up with these things. I have some words up here. For you to look at. Jesus rested in God's mission through him. He's greater in his message because Jonah preached a message of judgment, but Jesus preached a message of grace and salvation. Jonah almost died for his own sins, but Jesus willingly died for the sins of the world. Jonah's ministry was to one city, but Jesus is the Savior of the world. Amen? And and Jesus rested in God's mission within him, where Jonah's obedience wasn't from the heart, but Jesus always did whatever pleased his father. Jonah didn't love the people he came to save, but Jesus had compassion for sinners like us and proved his love by dying for them on the cross. And on the cross, outside the city, Jesus asked God to forgive those who killed him, but Jonah waited outside the city to see if God would kill those who he would not forgive. As we look to Jesus, we see someone who wants to do God's will. Even though he struggles at times, he, he eventually says, not my will, but yours be done. And he goes to the cross for us. And he, he is the place, he is the person that Jonah's story finds its resolution in. Finds its completion in. Jesus surrendered and rested in God's mission, both within and through his life. And now we're here in this moment. Experiencing God's mission beyond his life. That's good news. So when you're feeling crushed by expectations for God's mission beyond your life, let me remind you that your life doesn't have to find the perfect resolution here in this moment, here in your life. It finds its completion in Jesus. In the good news of the gospel, his work on your behalf, on my behalf. For every sermon that I biff up and don't preach perfectly, Jesus preached a better sermon. For every person I don't counsel or love as well as I should, Jesus did. We find hope in that today. So since Jonah's story ends with a question, I want to ask you some questions as we close. And then um, we have some friends from Selma 
who are here, our church is, is, we've been part of SOMA for a long time. We're actually getting adopted into the family of churches. That's some other churches we'll be partnering with more and more. I'm excited. And I just ask them to come and just share a word to encourage our church and lead us in communion. So I'm going to close with these questions, and I'm just going to invite them up to take a mic and just share whatever's on their heart for a couple minutes. Is that cool? Yeah. So here's some questions for you. And be reminded, as you, as you read these questions, that the gospel is good news about what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. So don't let these questions crush you, but be reminded that the Spirit of God is here to empower us to live a gospel-centered life. We don't just rest in, in Jesus Christ's work on our behalf and then never do anything. We rest in His work, and then we work out of that, trusting in His work. Amen? Amen. Work is the, is the fruit of belief. So here's some questions for you. Are we ready to rest in God's mission through us? Do we agree that God, with God, that people outside of Christ are lost? And like God, do we have compassion on them? How are we showing that compassion? Are we concerned with great cities like San Diego that are full of hurting and broken and lost people with so much sin and so little witness? Are we actively listening and watching and abiding and resting and partnering with God in His work? Are we trusting in His Spirit to lead and guide us? Are we praying that the gospel would go to people in every part of the world, and are we helping to send it there? Just think about that through your life, because we're going to take a time here in a few moments to come and, and repent and believe the gospel through communion. Some within questions about your heart. Are we ready to rest in God's mission within us? Do we agree that He started the work and that He will finish it? Are we abiding in His perfect love and letting that love cast out fear within us? Are we out of that profound rest partnering in His mission within us? Not taking on the burden, but putting our heads and our hearts and our hands to to the work of sanctification in our lives. Are we letting His Holy Spirit empower the work? And are we walking candidly and openly in community and asking others to call us out and speak the truth and love to us? And lastly, beyond, are are we being crushed under the weight of our own legacy or are we ready to rest in God's mission beyond us? Are we letting him take the pen in his hand and write the story of our lives? Are we trusting that where we fall short and where our stories may remain unresolved, that Jesus' work in the gospel completes them? Are we trusting that his blood cleanses us and that his righteous life lived in the flesh covers us? That it's not our work, it's not our burden, it's His. And that He's called us like Jonah to partner, to reap the benefits, and to receive the rewards of His work. I'm just going to say a quick prayer and invite the guys from someone to come up and share. Father, we, we need You in this moment. We need You to remind our hearts that we are more broken than we could ever imagine, but because of what you've done in our place, we are more loved and accepted right now than we could ever dare to believe that we have been given an unshakable gospel identity through the work of your son, that we've been brought into family and beloved, we are now children of God. And it does not appear what we shall be, but we know that one day when he appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. I pray in this moment we would see you just a little bit more clearly. 
that our hearts would be transformed just a little bit more by your grace. And that you would have your way in the next few moments of this service. That we would leave here with more faith and trust in you than ever. In Jesus' name.